Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. you I kind of feel like I'm in church today man isn't this good well my name's Olin Carter I serve here on our teaching team and if you are new here we are so glad you're with us today something that is unique about Freedom House Church we have multiple campuses but we have a live communicator at every campus every service every week bringing God's word in person which I just think is amazing can you guys give some honor to our senior pastors Troy and Penny Maxwell for their vision in that. Not many churches in the country doing that, let me tell you. And I just think it's amazing. And before we jump in today, I just want to take a minute and just welcome our online campus. We have an online campus as well. We have folks joining us right now in New Jersey, Texas, Ohio, Virginia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Colorado, Michigan, South Carolina. Come on, give up a hand, a big hand for them. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're excited about that. And uh, before I jump into the message today, I just want to encourage you this Tuesday night, this series we're in right now, The Almighty Dollar, we have a special finance night planned for you. And uh, I'm not going to give away too much detail, but some people might actually walk out with some money. What? <laughs> what? I'm telling you, some people might actually walk out with some money. We have a panel of experts coming that are going to teach you about how to invest your money. You're going to hear some amazing things. It's going to inspire you, but it's also going to equip you. So it's not just going to get you fired up. It's going to give you some tools you can walk out of here and do some smart things with your money. Who'd like to be a little bit smarter? Amen. Amen. So we're in this great series right now, The Almighty Dollar. And why do we call it that? Because in our country... Sometimes I think um, the dollar, money, has replaced God. It's not really about almighty God anymore. It's about the almighty dollar. Everything in our country, I kind of have a theory, if you're a conspiracy theory person, you know you're watching the news trying to figure stuff out. My theory is follow the money, right? You follow the money, you usually get to the bottom of it, right? Because all human beings are motivated by money. And so we have this, this series right now, The Almighty Dollar. You heard an amazing message last week. If you missed that, I encourage you to check it out. But what I'm going to talk to you about today 
is how not to handle a financial crisis. How not to handle a financial crisis. Now, why am I speaking on how not to handle a financial crisis? Because I'm going to share my story of how I messed it all up. How I lived through a financial crisis and what I learned and how God taught me through that about how not to respond to money stress. Anybody ever feel some money stress? Occasionally we feel a little bit of that. But today I want to speak to three different groups of people because I want you to know, um, I, I preached this last week at Lake Norman, had a guy come up to me during the week and he said, man, when you started out, he said, I thought, well, there's nothing in this for me. He said, because, you know, financially I'm doing well. I don't really have any issues. And he said, but man, through the message, I got so much out of it. And I want you to know today, I want you to lean into this because there's something for you. No matter where you're at in your financial walk, in your financial plan in life, there's something in this message for you today. So one, if, if you're dealing with a financial crisis right now, I know there's a lot of us there because of the, the mandates, people are getting laid off. There's all kind of crazy things happening in the economy right now. So maybe you're experiencing a financial crisis. Two, there's a lot of people that financial trouble is on the horizon and you want to avoid it. Maybe you're not in a financial crisis now, but you see one coming. And that worry, that, that doubt, that fear is starting to creep in. What do you do about that? And three, there's some people in here, money ain't, money's not a thing, right? You got plenty of money. Maybe you're very wealthy. Maybe you're doing, maybe you're doing great in life. Maybe, maybe you just got a promotion. And the crisis isn't a lack of money, but it's your relationship with it. Maybe that's the crisis for you. So I'm going to talk to all of you today, but first let's get in God's Word. Ephesians chapter 3, if you have your Bible, your Bible app, I encourage you, open that up now. Let's turn there together. Always read along when a pastor is reading from God's Word, because you never know. You can't trust us, I'm telling you. I could just be up here reading, you know, the New York Times or something. I wouldn't read that to you. Don't worry. Ephesians chapter 3 Verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. So this is the Apostle Paul, and he's praying for you. He's praying for the church. He's talking to Christians, and he's saying this prayer for the church. So he's telling you, this is why I'm praying for you, church, okay? Verse 15, From whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend. Now, if you can underline, highlight, circle in your Bible, that's the word, comprehend with all the saints what is the depth, the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now, we're going to begin today and we're going to end today looking at the limitless riches of God. Looking at the limitless riches of heaven. And why are we going to start there? Because the study of economics, whenever you read an economics book, 
economics is based on one principle, and it's an inescapable principle in the human heart. It's a principle that you deal with. It's a thought that I deal with. It's something if, if you're alive and breathing air, you deal with. It is, it's part of the human condition, and that is the, the fact or the principle of scarcity. See, economics is based on how we allocate limited resources. There's only so much gold. There's only so much money. There's only so much oil. There's almost so much uh, uh, labor. There's only so much of all these things that we need and we use. So what are we going to do with it? How are we going to use the, the finite, the limited resources that we have? And through life, many times, it's this scarcity mentality, this, this acknowledgement or this awareness that there's only so much is hardwired into how we think. And if we're not careful, it will get into our thinking and how we live out our life, and we can develop a scarcity mentality. We can begin to live life as if there's only so much. And listen, if you're not a Christian, that's probably a pretty smart way to live because that is true. There's only so much if you're living in the earthly kingdom. But why are we starting with this verse in this passage of Scripture? Because as believers, we need to understand we're part of a different kingdom. We're part of a heavenly kingdom where scarcity ain't a thing. God doesn't know what scarcity, he doesn't even know what that means. God's not worried. God's not up in heaven. Staying up late at night, stressing out about how you're going to pay your bills. God's not worried about how we're going to make the church payroll. God's not worried about how we're going to pay the mortgage. God's not stressed out about money. That's us, right? (laughs) That's not God. God's not stressed out. God's not worried because money for God is no big deal. He doesn't spend time worrying about things. And this prayer, when I was in Bible college, my uh, Bible college professor, he would make us go through these prayers of Paul over and over again. And just to be, can I be honest with you for a minute? This is going to make me seem less spiritual. Is that okay? You're not going to think less of me, are you? I hated it. I'm like, enough with these stupid prayers. I get it. God loves me. Okay. Like, let's get on to the good stuff. I want to talk about healing and miracles and leadership and how do you grow a church and preaching and and, and spiritual gifts. Like, I've heard God's love. That's like Billy Graham. That's Christianity 101. I've been a Christian since I was born. I mean, like, I was, my mom popped me out and I said the prayer, right? I mean, I would just, they just dunked me, man. The doctor, I think, just dunked me. I mean, I've grown up in church. I know about the love of God enough. Get on with it. And as I've gotten older, I begin to realize how stupid I was as a young person because I didn't know anything about the love of God. Man, I didn't even begin to fathom the depth, the height, the length, the breadth. Man, the fullness of what God had done for me. I had no clue how good God was. And so as I begin to get older, man, I get a little bit of wisdom. I ain't got much, but I got a little bit more. I look back on that now, and I'm like, man, now I get it. My Bible college professor was a lot smarter than I thought he was. Because he was trying to get us to understand that all this stuff doesn't matter if you comprehend the love of God. See, all this money stuff doesn't matter. So It's not as heavy when you understand who your father really is. When you understand that God would bankrupt heaven and send Jesus Christ just for you, Man, making the the rent payment this month, it it doesn't worry me so much anymore, right? And so what we have to understand is that our problems with money, they always look natural, but they always end up being spiritual. Your money problems always look natural. All of mine do too. 
They always look natural. They always start natural. They always feel like a natural problem. Man, I, I just need a good, I can solve this with a spreadsheet. I can, I can watch a YouTube video. Man, if I just got a raise, if I could just borrow, if I could just consolidate my debt, if I could just get that loan approved, if I could just lower my, because it looks natural. But we have to understand that our money problems, although they look natural, always end up being spiritual. And so, what, what do I know about a financial crisis? Let me tell you a little bit about me and my story with money. Um, I have limited time, so i got to condense it for you. Um, I've always, I grew up in a home where scarcity was a very real thing. So I've always had a passion to make money. I've always had a drive to make money. So I got in the mortgage industry very young. Um, a pastor at, at my church at the time saw some potential in me, and he just said, hey, you want a job? So I start out, I, I, I catch on to the business, I'm doing well, and uh, I was making a lot of money. By the time I got into my 20s, probably later 20s, um, I, was making, I was making great money. And as a believer, I thought I was living by faith. See, I was given big. I was, at one point, I think I was the number two giver in my church at the time. And that was a big deal because we had some guys that gave a lot of money. And, man, when I found that out, man, I was really proud of that. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, <laughs> number two walking through. I mean, like, open the door. Um, do you know who I am? I mean, like, I mean, the church staff is like, yeah, I'll probably pay your salary. I mean, you know, it's like. I am a big deal, right? And I was giving all this money away. I was investing. I was doing all this. I thought I was so smart. And, um, man, over time, giving for me, it was no longer sacrificial giving, and my giving was no longer intentional. I just gave because that's what you do because you're a Christian, so I just gave my 10%, and then I always gave above that, and I always made sure I was trying to grow my giving because I don't want to fall down on the list. People won't think I'm a spiritual Somebody might look at that list. Somebody, I don't know. Some, I don't know who, but somebody might look at that and then they, you know, maybe wouldn't think I'm as big of a deal. So I gave. Giving wasn't the problem. And there's some of you in here today that you're giving and you're thinking, why am I going through a financial crisis? I'm about to tell you. So I'm giving, I'm serving, I'm doing all the stuff. I'm in the mortgage business. Y'all remember a little thing, 2008, a little something happened? Y'all remember that? Just a little bump on the radar, right? There was this, this economic collapse, this crisis, and it started where? In the mortgage industry. So I'm on the ground floor of this, and the way the timing of this worked out, me and my wife, she was working for us in the mortgage business, but we were having our first child. We were building this brand new big home. She goes home to work, so now we lose her income completely. And now the crisis hits and my income <laughs> drops less than in half. And all of a sudden, giving ain't so easy anymore. All of a sudden, I begin to stress out about money. And I'm not a, I usually handle stress pretty good, but man, it started to really get bad. I mean, I remember one day I went to the office depot, I was buying some toner, and I remember I could not read the serial number on the toner box because my eye would not quit twitching. I remember getting the box and sitting it and go, sitting it down and going, all right, that's the one. That's it. 
I got it. Because my eyes would just start twitching sometimes. The stress was so bad. And I would go to bed at night. I would lay my head on my pillow. And I could literally feel my heart beating in my face. I would have nightmares. I would wake up. I couldn't sleep. And I finally went to the doctor because I thought I was dying. And I'm like, I don't know. I think my heart, my chest is about to explode. I thought I was dying, like I was going to have a heart attack or something. And so I go to the doctor. He does every test you can possibly do. He comes back and he goes, dude, you're healthy as a horse. There's nothing wrong. I would trade with you right now. There's nothing wrong with you. I said, then why do I feel like I'm about to die? And he said, well, how much sleep do you get? And I'm like, like a week or a, a day? And he was like, you don't get a lot of sleep? I said, not much. And how much water do you drink every day? And I said, you have to drink it every day? And he was like, yeah, that'd be good. He said, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm in the mortgage business. And he said, ah, <laughs> ah, I think we've stumbled on something. See, it was all psychological. I was having like these panic attacks, these stress attacks, and I was just coming unglued because somewhere in my Christian walk with money, I stopped trusting in God and started trusting in me. My faith slipped out of Jesus and went into St. Olin and how, I, how smart I was. How, how much I gave. And you know what? When you give, God owes you. Right? I mean, I'm a tither. God owes me. I can't go through a financial crisis. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I'm a Christian. Because nothing ever bad ever happens to Christians. I, mean, I just thought I was bulletproof. And then when things happen and I found out I wasn't as bulletproof as I thought I was, man, I found out I had like no ability to rely on my faith at all because I thought faith was for the good times. And God had to teach me, no, faith is actually for the hard times. And so what did I learn through this? I've got a few principles I want to share with you today that coming out of this financial crisis, coming out of me learning that I wasn't as full of faith and, 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 and all these things as I thought I was, what did I learn through that? Well, number one, I learned that you can't let the good times fool you. Don't let the good times Fool you. It doesn't take much faith to believe God or to be generous when things are good. We, we knocked it out of the park last week as a church. I mean, we got all these turkeys, 500 turkeys, amazing. But how many of you know when you just got a promotion or your bank account's full of money, getting a turkey or two, not that big a deal. It's 25 bucks, right? I mean, like, if you're making six figures to get a turkey, not that hard. But if you just got laid off, if you're broke... If you have no money in your bank account, raising your hand and getting a turkey, a little bit tougher, right? It's a little bit harder to believe God when the bank account has less zeros, right? And so I thought I was living by faith, but my trust had slowly shifted from God into myself. Now, how do we know when this is happening? Instead of being spirit-led, we begin to make plans and spend money based on the news and the economy around us. See, we begin to look around us instead of inside us for a direction for our money. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, 
if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. See, at that time, we bought that nice new house, right? And it made sense on paper. And I could justify it to you. Listen, there's no human being smart enough to have made me look bad about buying that house. Because I had covered my bases. I've been a Christian a long time. I have learned how to, to position things so no one can judge me. Isn't that what we do? I mean, we think about how to justify our decisions so that, that man, first step is I got to convince myself I'm right. But then I got to make sure I can convince you I'm right. So, man, I could have given you every line in the book. Well, I can afford it. My debt ratio is very low. I don't have other, it's a good investment. The market's going up. This is the blessing of the Lord. Isn't that our favorite one when we want to buy that new car? Well, this is just the blessing of the Lord. And listen, there's nothing wrong with buying a new car. There's nothing wrong with buying a new home. If, if God blesses you with a great home, enjoy it. Somebody was showing me, one of the guys showing me um, their new house and, and showing me pictures. And I was like, man, that's awesome. Man, enjoy that. But see, I knew in my heart I never had peace about buying that house when I bought it. See, there was something tugging inside of me, and the Holy Spirit was trying to warn me and say, hold on, but I didn't want to hold on. So I wanted to buy that house because the fear of missing out. Everybody else was doing it. It was a good investment. Man, I want to jump. I don't want to miss the train. And so I built the house, and then I paid for it. Many sleepless nights. Because my house payment like probably doubled or whatever. And we didn't need it at the time. I didn't need the home. And what God showed me after the financial crisis was over was I could have got the same home for less money. See, God was never against me having the home. God was just trying to get me a better deal on it. But because of my pride, I got ahead of God, spent more money than I should have spent, even though on paper, because some of you are thinking right now, oh no, I can show you I can afford it. That's not my argument. Do you have a peace about it? Did you pray about it? Did you submit it to God and get that perfect peace or did you jump out there because you wanted it? Because I wanted to impress everybody else. You see, it doesn't mean that we don't plan or strategize about business or money. It doesn't mean that. Listen, if you have a business and you don't plan and think, you're a fool. <laughs> you should do that. All of us should do that. I have a financial planner now. You should have a financial plan. That's just smart. There's nothing wrong with that. But what it means is, is we don't assume that our circumstance will never change. You don't rely on the plan because things change. I think it was Mike Tyson that said, everybody's got a good plan until you get hit in the face. You come into a boxing match and you think, I got this figured out. Bop! Where am I, right? Same thing with your money. We all have the great financial plan until we get laid off from our job. Until something changes that we didn't expect and we can't control. And then all of a sudden we're punch drunk going, what happened? What's going on? How did I get here? Because we can't rely on our plan. You should have a plan, but you, you shouldn't depend on your plan. You should depend on God. It means we don't grow prideful because of our successes. doesn't matter how much money you have because it could be gone tomorrow. Your pride should be in one thing, those unlimited riches in heaven. Man, I'm prideful in my God. Man, I'm real proud of my Jesus. 
I'm proud of my Jesus. I'm proud of my God, and I know what he can do, and I'm confident in that. But, man, I try real hard not to get so prideful about me because I've messed it up many, many times. It means we don't base our strategy on the state of the economy. I have a good friend that he went into the mortgage business when everyone else was going out. And back in 08, I had these multiple monitors up I, I was on working on all day. And <laughs> I got to where I left up on one of the monitors this website. It was called the Mortgage Implodometer. And what it would do is it showed the companies that had went out of business. And it got to where there for like a few months. It was like you could watch it all day and it would like poop. Boop, 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 boop. I mean, like companies were just going out of business every 15 minutes. And this guy got into the mortgage business during that time and now multimillionaire. The guy's so successful. And I remember talking to him years after that going, when did you get into the business? And he said, like, 08. What? What in the name of God were you thinking? And he said, I wasn't really thinking. The Lord just kind of prompted me. And he said, and I'm a tither. <laughs> that was one of those me and God moments where I'm like, really? You had to, okay, all right. I remember him telling me that. He goes, I'm a tither. He said, don't tell me it don't work. He said, I just believe God. And he said, God told me to do it. I did it, man. I've just been blessed. Right, Because he was making his moves not on the world around him, not on the economy, but on the Holy Spirit. It means we submit our plans to his plans. When things shift in the world around us, and how many of you know we've experienced a little bit of that in the last 18 months? It means we should not shift our focus or weaken our resolve. You see, looking back now, I can see the difference in my life in 08, when the financial crisis came, I slowly fell apart. The last year and a half, when the whole world's been going nuts, I'll be honest with you, I hadn't felt a thing. I've been fine. I felt terrible for other people. My heart's broken for what I see in the world around me, but has my stress level, worry, fear really gone up? Not really. Because my focus has just been on God. We, we had to change how we did church. I was like, cool, we'll figure it out. New way to do ministry. Like, let's go. I mean, it's just my, my goal, my focus hasn't changed, hasn't shifted because my eyes were on Jesus. And I don't say that to brag on me because the next big thing, I might mess up. But for you and I both, every crisis that comes along, whether it's a health crisis, a financial crisis, a relational crisis, if your focus is stayed on God, if my marriage exists to glorify God, then when there's issues in my marriage, good. Man, just a great opportunity to glorify God. If I have finances to glorify God, man, I'm going through a financial crisis. Good. Man, it's a great opportunity for God to show up and show out. Man, if everything I do is just focused on God when the hard times come, good. Because this is just another opportunity for me to live out my faith. We must learn to live with an expectation of change. Because change in the financial world is always coming. Am I looking for what God wants to do next instead of being obsessed with my own expectations and plans? We should not be fooled by the good times because change is always coming. And what's, what's one practical way we can live this out? Develop margin in your life. See, the whole thing about the house, God just wanted me to have some margin so when the bad times hit, I had that cushion. 
And if we develop margin, not only does it cushion us against the bad times, it's also how we develop our generosity. Because if I decide to spend half what I could spend, guess what? I got some left over. Now I can help somebody else. When I, des- when I decide to spend 50% of what I could spend, guess what? That 50% I've got left over, now God can speak to me and say, hey, move some of that over here. Let's put that in the kingdom. But we can't do that unless we have margin. Number two principle I learned through this is don't hide your struggle because God can use it. Don't hide your struggle because God can use it. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. See, it was very difficult to me to admit to other people that I was struggling financially. I was in the finance business. I help people with their money every day. How am I going to go around saying, man, I'm kind of struggling right now, right? So I just hid it. I just bottled it up. I told very few people, and if I did, I minimized it. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of tough right now, but I'm doing good. It's okay. I remember telling Pastor Troy that. You know, it's like, yeah, it's tough, it's tough, but I'm, I'm, I'm making it. It's good. It's good. It's all good. I'll be all right. It's all right. It's okay. Probably one of the toughest experiences I had with that was, it was right after Hurricane Katrina, we led a missions team down from the church and we were doing some rebuilding projects. And one of the nights of the trip, um, we were in this restaurant and we had planned to eat some Cajun food. We were going to, you know, just pick out, have some good seafood, some spicy stuff. And we're in there just having a great time. And my phone rings and it's Tammy. And she's a little upset. And so I'm like, hey guys, I'm going to go outside just for a minute. It's my wife, you know. I go outside and I'm the leader of the missions team, right? So I've got to be, you know, I'm the leader, right? I'm the guy. I go outside and Tammy's crying. And I'm like, honey, what's going on? What's, what's, what's the problem? And she said, the, the company with my car is calling and they're saying they're going to come and repossess my car because I was that, that behind on the pavement. And I didn't know what to do, so I said, put it in the garage and shut the door. <laughs> I'd never been in that position before. I don't know. I don't know what to do. But I'm trying to calm my wife down trying to figure this out, like I'm going to have the money in like three days. And, but I'm on a mission trip building homes and, you know, after Katrina, and I've got all these people, and so what do I do? I walk back inside, hey, everybody, and then I'm going back to being fun, happy, Olin. Because I can't tell them something's wrong, right? Because if I let them know something's wrong, they would have just judged me. They would have probably sent me home. You can't be our leader anymore. We don't like you. Isn't that what would happen? No, y'all don't think that would have happened? They probably would have prayed for me. They probably would have encouraged me. They probably would have loved on me. I probably would have felt 10 times better, right? And so would you. If you would just let somebody know you're hurting. Let somebody know you're struggling. People won't, aren't as interested as you think they are in judging you, right? Sometimes we have to open up our heart and let other people Now, what does that look like in a practical sense? And sorry, but i got to cover this. Let's talk about what that does not mean. We don't go around asking people for money all the time, okay? And if you're struggling right now, I don't want want that to land on you harsh, but church and life groups aren't a place where we just come and go, hey, I need 100 bucks, right? Right, everybody do this, right? We're not going to do that because that's not how we do it, okay? We don't vomit our financial stress on everyone all the time. 
It doesn't mean every time you see someone, you need to tell them the depth of your financial despair. Okay? Sometimes just telling people in a life group setting, man, I need some prayer. I'm struggling right now. Like, oh, good. <laughs> you know, talk to one of our pastors. Talk to your life group leader. Talk, talk to someone you trust. Maybe give them a little more. But it doesn't mean you need to tell everybody, man, I am 17 days behind on this bill. Let me show you my budget. Like, you don't need to do that. Okay? <laughs> Right? Amen? We don't need to do that. And a big part of this is we don't take the responsibility of fixing everyone else's financial problems. See, the first thing that happens when people come to me with financial problems, and this is just human nature, I start trying to figure out a way to fix it for them. But the problem is that makes me God instead of God. See, your job is not to fix their financial problems. Your job is to point them to the one who can. And sometimes we'll go, well, I don't want to just pray. Just pray? Listen to yourself. What is more powerful than prayer? Don't minimize the power of prayer. Coming up here on a Sunday morning or getting prayer in your life group, the prayer of agreement can rock the world. It can move mountains. Man, I'm going to try to find them a new job. Listen, prayer, God can start a company to give them a job. Prayer can do anything. So don't minimize your prayer and feel like you have to be God in that other person's life. What does it mean to share in each other's burdens? It means encouraging and praying for one another. Tremendously powerful. It means being led by the Holy Spirit on when to help financially. Sometimes God will tell you, and we've had couples here in the church come to our campus pastors and say, hey, here's $500 for someone in need. I don't know who they are. Bless them. Bless them. Just help somebody. Getting the turkeys last week. Awesome. Man, let the Holy Spirit lead you. We should be generous, right? But we don't take the burden of fixing everyone else's financial problems. It means connecting people to opportunities and resources that can help them. Listen, if you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, hey, that's great. Right? Maybe you did some time back in the place about the thing. <laughs> you know, I got people. You got people. And if I know somebody, and I see that all the time, especially in our men's, like our, our uh, group me's and stuff, and where somebody, oh, man, I'm struggling at my job. I, I think something's coming. Or, man, I know this guy. And then people get connected, and they find a new job, or they get connected for a better position. And that's amazing. If you can do that, do it. That's great. And it means being open to ask for wise counsel so we learn and we grow. A few years ago, um, Pastor Troy asked me to talk to this couple because he knew that I had been through that financial crisis and this couple was kind of going through the same thing. And so I called the husband up and I was just talking to him about it and I couldn't get a word in edgewise. It was like, well, I know why this is happening. And then I've done everything right and I've done this and I've done that. And I'm like, yeah, but, it, well, but, I, but and, and I'm going to tell you and I've done, and there's nothing else I could do. And, I, and man, for about 15 minutes, he just kept telling me how right he had been. And I was like, Good luck, man. I, <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Because through the mortgage crisis, I could go back and justify to you, listen, I couldn't have predicted that. Alan Greenspan didn't predict that. But God still taught me things I did wrong and how I handled it. No matter how justified you feel, no matter how blameless you are, the Holy Spirit can always teach you things you can learn if you're open. And so what's the practical step of that? Commit today to being pastored. 
Commit today to being pastored. Listen, if you go to here, if you attend Freedom House Church, you have a pastor, but that don't mean you're being pastored. Because if to be pastored, you have to submit yourself to that. It means you have to, and that doesn't mean going directly to Pastor Troy about all your problems. We have life group leaders here to help you. If you're in a life group, you can go to that life group leader and say, hey, I, I need some advice on this. If it's something that's kind of, they don't feel comfortable doing it, they'll get somebody else involved. But there are people here at this church that will give you wise counsel if you'll ask for it. If you'll ask for it. All right, number three. This is probably the most important one. Don't forget to sleep during the storm. Don't forget to sleep during the storm. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. It says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went in and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him? They said, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And you know, when you're in a financial storm, it can feel like you were perishing. Anybody been there? I know when I was in mine, it felt like I was going to die. It felt like I was perishing. And when you're in the middle of a financial storm, it can feel that way. You, you can see the waves coming in the boat. You can feel the wind on your face. When you get a collection notice, when a collection, a collection agent is calling your wife, you feel that, right? It's real. You can't just imagine it away. You can't just go, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to walk in faith and everything will be fine. And it just vanishes. No, you're going to see it. You're going to feel it. It's very, very Real, and then adrenaline kicks in, and now we're in fight or flight mode, right? Your adrenaline kicks in, and that's where I was living in this area of stress. And let me tell you, God made your body that way, but he made you that way for very short bursts. Our adrenaline is supposed to kick in so we can run away and get away from a tiger. <laughs> and then take a nap. <laughs> it is not for us to live day in, day out, day in, day out with stress, that adrenaline pumping because it just burns out all the chemicals in your body. You just get to a point you can't think, you can't sleep, you can't rest. And that's not how God has designed us to be. But Jesus, Jesus is our example. And what was Jesus do, doing in the middle of the storm? He was taking a nap. <laughs> he was in the back of the boat taking a nap. And why was Jesus taking a nap? See, I believe if the disciples had never woke Jesus up. See, sometimes we read that story, and as I was studying this, I thought the Lord kind of showed me this, is that sometimes we think because we read what happened that that's what had to happen. But Jesus rebuked them for waking him up. What if they hadn't woke, waken Jesus up? He would have just slept through the whole storm. But if Jesus was asleep, wouldn't the boat have sank? I mean, they couldn't have done the miracle, right? But here's the thing we miss. This story is in all four Gospels. And when you read this story out, here's the most important part of this story. Before they ever got on the boat, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. See, because God had said, we're going to the other side, the boat was going to the other side. 
They could have slept through the whole storm. It wouldn't have mattered if the boat would have sank to the bottom of the sea. It would have had to crawl along the bottom until it got to the other side. Because God had said, we're going to the other side. Once God has said, there's no other option. And what has God said about you? Has God said you're going to drown in a sea of financial debt? I don't, I don't see that in my Bible. Has God, see, has God said you're alone and hopeless? No, I don't see that in my Bible. Has God said that your financial problems are so deep, there's no turning around, there's no going back? I don't see that in my Bible. What I see is limitless riches in heaven. If we can just comprehend So we're back to where we started today. And why did we start there? Because this is what you need to know. The Christian life is a lot less about finding some fancy formula to fix your finances. It's much more about getting an understanding of who God is and what he's already done. See, once I know Jesus has already said, I'm going to the other side, I can take a nap. Right in the middle of the storm. I've been laid off of my job. Good. I'm going to go take a nap. I don't have enough money to pay my bills. Good. Because now only God can be the answer. I don't know what to do next. Good. Maybe finally you and I will shut up and let him start talking. Will you stand on your feet today? I want to say a prayer over you. Because I believe there's some of you that are in a financial crisis, or maybe you see it on the horizon and fear is beginning to grip your heart. Today we've learned how not to handle that storm, how not to handle that financial crisis. We don't let the good times fool us. We don't hide our struggle because God can use it. And we're not going to forget to sleep right in the middle of the storm. I want to invite you right now just just to bow your head, just close your eyes for just a moment. I just want to say a simple prayer over you. Father, we just thank you that you've spoken. That's all we need. Today, I I just pray that some of us will take a nap. Some of us will get some rest. Some of us maybe have been stressed out for too long. Maybe we've been in fight or flight. That adrenaline has been driving us. Maybe we've been working 100 hours a week. Just trying to keep our nose above the water. And today, God, I pray you'd give us a revelation of your love. I pray today that you'd give us a revelation God, of who you are and what you've already done and that you continue to work. As that first scripture we read today said, you work through the power that is already at work in us. If we're a believer, that power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in me. So God, we thank you for that. We tap into that today by faith. And God, I thank you for a boldness today. God, to share our struggle so you can use it, but then to take a nap, to just rest in you, to rest in your love, to rest in your provision. God, I thank you for miracles. God, I thank you for promotions. I thank you for provision. But more than all of that, God, I thank you for a transformation from a heart of worry and stress and fear to hearts that trust you. Even when the storm is raging, God, when the waves are coming over the boat that we can laugh and say, Jesus is in this boat. And God, we thank you. That's the type of believers that we want to be. God, we thank you. We welcome your Holy Spirit here now. We welcome you now. And if you're here right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, 
if you're here now and you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. We read before today just how much He loves you. And the truth is, it doesn't matter what you've done in your life, He paid the price for you on the cross. And the Bible says that He did that so that we can walk in this newness of life, this relationship with God, not based on me, but based on Him. Not based on my holiness, your holiness, but based on the work He did for us. That's the gospel. That's the good news that He died and He rose again. And He can change you. He can change anybody. And if that's you today, and you would like to receive Jesus by faith right now, man, would you just lift your hand up? We're just going to say a simple prayer together. As a church, just lift your hand up. Amen. We see that. I see that hand. Anyone else? Just raise your hand now. And if you're online today, there's a button. You can click in the chat. Man, we have people that will pray with you. We want to welcome you to just, man, start this this life, this journey, this relationship with God. Amen. Let's pray this together. Church, everyone just repeat this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. I know that he came. He died for me, and he rose again. I receive that now by faith. Change me. I repent of my sin, and I trust you to wash me and to make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.